A talk with Jeff, a.k.a. Bowman1951 Sports Card Adventures, about building an all-time set, super collecting Tom Brady, playing the long game with SGC-graded cards, creating the best flipping card show, and more. One of my main reasons for starting the Splendid Sports Podcast was to connect with smart people who I can learn from. And luckily, that's exactly what I was able to do with this episode. It's selfish, I know, but hey, if you listen, you can learn some stuff too. My guest is Jeff, who is known on YouTube and other social media as Bowman1951 Sports Card Adventures. The man is firing on all cylinders of the sports card hobby. He's building one of the greatest baseball card sets ever. He's a Tom Brady super collector. He even created and runs his own sports card show in the greater Boston area called The Best Flippin' Card Show. Love that name. We talk about all those things. And if you love sports card collecting like me and you also plan on making a few bucks down the road from this hobby as a long-term investment, we also talk about an SGC graded card opportunity that both Jeff and I are taking advantage of. And you could possibly too. Give this a listen. Hey, Adam. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. How you doing? Great. Thank you for jumping on here. Sure. So I just wanted to jump right in. I'm a uh, subscriber to your YouTube channel. You have an awesome channel. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah, it's, I, I really enjoy it. Um, uh, being from Massachusetts myself, it's, it's, uh, I kind of live vicariously through you as you go to the, you know, those local card shows uh, <laughs> that I wish I could go to. Really, What's holding really you back? Well, what told me back is that I live in Arizona right now. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm sorry. I missed that part. Yeah, I, I grew up there and uh, about 10 years ago moved to Arizona. Uh, I go back to Massachusetts a lot, not really in the last year or two, but uh, hopefully next year I'll resume. We go back, you know, at least a couple times a year in the summer. So maybe I could line that up. So anyway, um, the name of your channel is Bowman1951 Sports Card Adventures. And uh, anyone who's watched it knows the reason for that is because you are putting together that set, the 1951 Bowman set. Could you just let me know how things are going with that when you, you know, when you started and where you're at in that process? Yeah, sure. So got back into cards about five and a half years ago now, and I was always enamored by vintage. So I really collected hard in my teenage years, late 80s, early 90s. And when I got back in, I was like, I need to focus on create, you know, putting something together ultimately. And it was just one of those iconic sets full of, you know, some of the best rookie cards uh, uh, ever, frankly. So I just have always loved the little cards from Bowman early 50s and just decided to put it together all in PSA grade. I'm about a third of the way through now. I buy maybe one or two cards every month. This is a marathon, not a sprint. I figured it would take me probably 10 years. I have all the big cards in the set except for the mantle. Who knows when I'll ever be able to secure that one. That might be dead last. We'll see. But I pick up commons here and there. I like to keep it in the range of like a PSA 5 for the commons and maybe like a, a down to a 3 for the high number because those can be a lot pricier. And I've noticed a jump in prices in the last few years as well. Just, you know, with everything going up, uh, it's been been crazy i used to get you know comments for seven or eight bucks and now that's doubled yeah the and and the mantle that i mean i only have one card from that set which is the ted williams which is 
you know, relatively affordable for a Ted Williams card. Yeah. Um, but the, obviously the mantles, the, the crown jewel. I mean, I was looking, I think PSA, even if you were looking at like a PSA one, uh, I think there's, what are they like 10,000 now and up? Oh, easily. Yeah. It's a, it's now a five figure card. And I, if I get one that's altered and just labeled authentic, I'm totally fine with that. I do like good centering on the key rookie cards. So it's a little tougher to find. I have a, a maze that has three, a three hole punch in it, but it's dead centered. And I got that about a year ago now for, I, I hit smashed the bin for $1,500. Like I couldn't believe I found it. And I bet that card is like even tripled now in, in just in the past year. It's so crazy to me. What a card that is too. Yeah. I mean, just in just those two cards alone in that set is, I mean, two of the greatest cards of all time. Right that's there right. In the same set. Yeah, exactly. And again, that's why I, focused on it when i came back in and those two those two guys are definitely my my favorite players from the past other than ted williams you have great taste good job on that uh, picking a great <laughs> <Thank> set <you. laughs> uh and, and you're also a brady collector too i i believe i saw right oh yeah I, I consider myself a brady super collector uh i've got over 500 unique brady's at this point he was my focus when i got back into the modern side of things and uh i have an interesting story on that so my wife's cousin got me back into cards. He, he's the sole person who did so. And he's been a Brady collector. He's lived in Boston all of his life, uh, started collecting right after the Super Bowl win in 2001. And he has all the biggest rookies there are. And that includes the champ ticket. Still has it. He's owned it for 20 years. You know, this card is now millions of dollars. And I owe it all to him for just getting me back in the hobby. It's been amazing. So he's given me a lot of advice on what to focus on in terms of collecting Brady. And I've just run with it. I mean, he's he's my PC. He's the guy I collect the most other than Julian Edelman. And I uh, just love every minute of it. I'm picking up Brady's left and right whenever I can find them at a good cost. I'm a Brady collector too. The only thing I regret, I mean, I've been a I've been a Patriots fan my whole life. I've watched I watched every game Brady ever played. I, I look back and I think, you know, I had I collected some Brady cards. I, I just I'm like, well, what was I doing? I mean, I was collecting cards. I just wasn't buying enough Brady's, and and yeah. it was like that was my guy. Like, what were you doing? You know, and and it, it's really unbelievable to see the guys that have been collecting Brady for five, ten years. And they have million dollar collections and they're, and, yes. and these, are, you know, these aren't rich. I mean, they are rich now in a way. Right. But they're not, these are people I know that don't have like, you know, they're not high paying jobs or anything like that. Right. But right. Just through that. It's, it's awesome. I, I love to see it. It's, it's like a, what a story. They should like literally make a, a movie about this. I've joked on Twitter. I should just call my um, Brady collection. Now my portfolio, because that's yeah. effectively how I need to start looking at it. I might have spent maybe eight to ten thousand on all the cards I have, and I would think they were probably close to seventy-five thousand now. Especially after getting a lot of them graded when buying them raw, I focus on a lot of you know serial numbered cards. A couple of years ago, I used to get them for a few dollars, and now you go out and try to find them raw, and they're not less than like fifty. And, and I and I honestly I think there's still a lot more room to there too. It's I don't think exactly. the boat has completely left on a lot of the Brady cards. Yeah, and I know we're going to focus on some of that, uh, some of the data we found, uh, just to see how the the market is changing and how you might be able to get ahead of it uh, as the market changes. Yeah. I, I, so basically, what led into this call was a tweet that you did. I think it was a week or so ago, and I just wanted to read it just so people can kind of understand sure. exactly what we want to look at. 
the the tweet was i just bought a tom brady today where an sgc 10 is about half of what it is in a psa 10 i'm betting long term that this gap narrows and i'm almost certain i'll be right so i want to i want to nail down on that uh because it really struck me because that was something i had been thinking and really a strategy that i've been undertaking over the last few months myself yeah and i'm sure we're not alone as more people look into the pedigree of SGC, I think that's what matters here. They're a 22-year-old company. And whether or not people started to go to them just because they, you know, they're a cheaper option to submit with, while PSA is, uh, you know, t- what is it, five times as much right now, you know, $30 for SGC, $150 minimum for PSA. Uh, I, I don't think that matters in the long run, especially as people are submitting bigger and bigger Brady cards. There should not be this big of a gap. And um, as SGC has always been great for pre-war cards, for vintage, and just nobody was using them for modern. And as newbies have come into the hobby in the last year or two, they might not even know much about SGC. But I think the gap will narrow as more people become aware of them and understand the pedigree involved, them being around for several decades now. That's what matters to me in the grading game the most. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize. I mean, PSA, no, they're, they're the market leader. And a big reason why is because they were the first to the market. You know, and they started right. in, what was it, 1991 officially? Yep. And then SGC came around in 99. 99. And then actually BGS came after SGC, I believe, a little, like right around the same time. But Correct. SGC was actually the second major one out. So, people don't i don't think people realize how old sgc is and you know there is a big three those three companies but sgc now is to me at least number two yeah oh yeah totally agree and to me a 10 is now yes bgs gives out their 10s how often it's is up for debate uh i i've never been a big fan of the bgs 9.5s i've seen a lot of examples where there's a major flaw in it and it's still got a 9.5 but i'm in a firm camp that majority of the PSA and SGC tens are legit tens. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the people that are buying these cards, uh, again, a 10 is a 10. They're going to be searching for the best grade out there. And as the PSAs either dry up, uh, for affordability or just get out of the range of affordability for a lot of collectors, they're going to be moving to those other companies for tens. And I would count, uh, CGC in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree on that. Now, we have we put together a handful of examples here, but I think the first off, in my mind, the the main reason why we feel there's an opportunity here for us and also, you know, for anyone who goes in this direction, too, is the size of the gap. It's not just that, like, hey, PSA outsells for, you know, 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent more. I mean, we're looking at double at least in 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 a couple examples i have here more than double uh, yep, like three same. three four times same with me i've been looking at a lot of cards and i've been buying cards for years let's put it this way there's a lot more psa cards out there but i've seen more examples of psa graded cards that let's say they're a 10 where you look at the card and you go i don't know that doesn't look like a 10 it's uh, that's obviously they made a mistake there mm-hmm. i see more of those in psa than i do with sgc PSA, they do a great job, but I also think SGC does a great job, and it, I don't think it makes sense long-term to see this gap, really. I, like, it just doesn't seem something that can sustain for, for over time if things go in the current direction yeah, that they're going. Totally for me. Agree. Yeah, I'm holding my Brady's for 5, 10, 20 years or longer, 
So, I mean, some of these could be paying for my child's college education in the next 18 years. So, um, I again, uh, focusing on SGC is a smart move now. Uh, and we, we just want to get ahead of the, the curve here as more people realize exactly what we are. And we're kind of giving some industry secrets away here for as Brady collectors. And I'll see some of these SGC cards and be like, wow, there's 25 watchers on this. And I watch that intently as well, just to see how many people are actually interested in these cards. And that the watch list has increased on the SGC side as well. Do you mind giving the few examples that you had? Uh, just to run No, through? not at all. So I'm a big Topps Chrome fan from 02 up through the 2015 year when Topps lost their license for NFL cards. So I love anything Brady through those years, whether it be a refractor or some of the colored parallels. So that's what I focused mainly on for my research. So I found a Topps uh, Chrome 2015 pink. This is number to 399. A PSA 10 sold for $500 even. An SGC 10 went for 275. So almost half. Mm-hmm. Found a 2014 Topps Chrome refractor. These aren't numbered. PSA 10 going for 355, SGC 10 167. So that example is more than double. You got the 2014 Topps Chrome X Fractor, PSA 10 450, SGC 10 is 228. So right on that cusp of being double. And finally, even if you're into base cards, 2010 Topps Chrome base, one of my favorite years of any Brady cards are the 2010s. PSA going for 275, SGC 10, you can have for 120 bucks. For me, it, it's a huge opportunity. I've had people ask me that, you know, hear about the card boom and everything, and they collected as kids, and they say, well, I, w- I kind of want to get into the graded card game, start investing. Where's the best place to start? And I've been saying, uh, I think you should buy SGC 10s for, for like, you know, whoever your, your players are or the, yep. whoever you think are, you know, long-term good investments. But I think not even to say that PSA is going to take a dip or anything like that. I just think SGC is going to climb and I think they're going to get closer. Yeah, exactly. Both cards are going to climb over time. It's just that I feel SGC will climb faster. And, and so I had, these are some more uh, extreme cards, you know, as far as like uh, all time cards, because I wanted to get another look at it too, from that end of it. Uh, Like here, here's an example. Everyone probably knows the 1980 tops, uh, basketball Larry Bird Magic Johnson Dr. J card uh, mm-hmm. it's a rookie I mean that's a it's a you know in a 10 it's obviously an extremely rare and expensive card but there was a card there was an SGC 10 of that card that sold uh, a couple days ago October 31st it was an SGC, SGC 10 sold for twenty two hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars that's a, a lot of money obviously but that card sells for and a PSA 10 it sells for like eight hundred thousand dollars right now. So oh, we're talking, God. we're talking three, three, four times of it. Again, it's the same. If you look, I mean, I'm not a grader, but it's a, it's a perfect card. The SGC card, perfect. Every, you know, everything you look at, I appeal. Uh, same with PSA. So I mean, really, people are buying. They're spending an extra, you know, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars on the on the holder, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not even a big fan of doing a crossover. I've never really done one. I don't like the idea of it. And if I ever do one, I'm going to keep it in the SGC holder first to go to PSA. But that might be the first one I say, okay, that's probably a good candidate to at least see if you can get the PSA 10 yeah. and, uh, you know, buy another house with that, that extra profit. That yeah, is- and, and look, I get some people just, I've heard it said like, hey, I don't love the look 
like I personally like the look of the SGC slabs, you know, as a collector. But I, you know, if people like, hey, I want more color. I like the red in the PSA, or uh, I just don't like that SGC's black and black and gray or black and white. You know, okay, that's personal preference. No one's going to argue there. That's yeah. your own opinion. But from an investing standpoint, uh, you know, Who cares? It, it's hard to argue with that exactly. Yeah. And then I, um, just uh, I did one from each sport. Another iconic card, uh, Mike Trout. 2011 tops update you know that that card sells it recently sold uh back in september for uh sgc 10 sold for two thousand dollars and the psa 10 sells for three thousand dollars so you're looking at a thousand dollar on average price gap there in that card i'd love Uh, to see the pop report from sgc on that i'd be interested to see how many 10s are out there I look. I I looked it up. Uh, right now, actually, there's 86. So there's not not that many compared to the I think 5,000 or something like that PSA tens. Yep. So even even being you know less, S, there's a lot less SGC tens out there. Um, it still you know still sells for a thousand dollars less. Same grade, you know, just different company. So another. I believe not, not double, it's a but... fairly uh, easy card to gem with PSA too, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's above fifty percent. If I say easy, you know, it's it's more than half will we'll receive a ten. Right, and you know, I understand. Look, if you pull this card from a pack and you say I want to get it graded, I understand if you say I want to get it graded by PSA because I and I, I'm going to look to maybe sell it right in the next mm-hmm. next you know period of time. Because it, you know, it makes sense from that perspective. I'll pay the hundred, you know, hundred dollars more or whatever to grade it or whatever it comes out to be, uh, and then I have a card if it comes out of ten that it's worth a thousand dollars or more, more in the in the near right. term. But if you're if you're uh, you know buying a Mike Trout, looking to buy a Mike Trout uh, ten grade card, I think it makes a lot of sense to look at SGC. Yeah, and that realm I live in for the Topps Chrome cards, they don't make sense to go to PSA right now at one hundred fifty dollars per right. anyway, and. Uh, uh, I beat the the rush. What was it, at the end of February last year? I think I have. I put in an order of about sixty Brady's right before the prices went up. We had no idea even at the time. Is it, are they going to go up five dollars a card? We didn't realize that the next level was going to be three hundred dollars a card. From I think I paid eighteen or twenty dollars each. So uh, and that was a bulk order. So yeah, there's a huge difference in terms of what it costs right now to, to grade between the two. So yeah, those base cards are lower. You know, I have some serial numbers that are like to 99 or 199. There's no way I'm sending the PSA right now. Would I send a 2000 Bowman or a Bowman Chrome to PSA? Yeah, maybe over an SGC. But um, that would be really fun to see the differences too between uh, a 2000 Bowman. And I do have one uh, more card to, to share with you is the 2000 Victory Upper Deck. PSA 10s, they sell in the range of 3000 to 3500 SGC 10 just sold for 1800 bucks. So again, just half the cost for those key Brady rookies. You want a Brady rookie under under uh, 2k right now in a in a perfect gem 10 grade? Search out SGC. Yeah, and and I even did another I did a football one uh lastly here is I did a Mahomes um to look more in the modern side with football um you know and this is a you know a rarer card but it's a 2017 panini select silver field level number 247 uh it's double right so the the psa has been selling around 11,000 11,700 and then the sgc 10 sold uh back in october 21st for 5,800 dollars so a a double for the same card you know it, it it's really it, it's amazing to me. I, I, I don't 
I know people are there. It's ingrained in them that PSA is the leader. But man, if you can get that card for 5,800 bucks or probably even less now that he's not having the greatest year, that's I think that's a great buy, something like that. I think I'll continue to stress it's ingrained in the newbies that have come yes. in during the pandemic. Yep. For guys that have been around for a while that understand vintage and pre-war, how, how important SGC is there. That <laughs> I don't know why people don't take them more seriously. The tuxedo look, I, I am a huge fan of. The only issue I have with the SGC holders is that they're missing a QR code. Uh, I like that on the PSA where I can go in and scan it, put it into my set registry, and it's you know it's up there and, and, and done with. But you can't do that with an SGC slab. Do you think that uh, if SGC ever decided to add like a subgrades, not even to the holder itself, but like when you had a card graded with them, if they uh, on their website, you know, in the in the in the database that they have, if you could look up that card and see the subgrades, would that? Do you think that would be something that would make sense for them, or would put them even? you know, that, maybe a, another advantage over PSA? That's a great question. The problem is anything graded prior to this change, right? So I've thought about this with PSA. Why don't they have a 9.5 category? Well, if you create a 9.5 category now, what's going to happen with all those uh, Alico 3 on YouTube calls, in, you know, the tweeners, the in-betweeners, between a 9 and 10, if that 9.5 exists, then uh, everybody's going to want to reholder them and send them back in to see if, their nines will bump to a nine five. So same thing with SGC putting in subgrades. While it's a great theory, did they kind of keep track of that for any card they've graded in the past? Probably not. So you see everybody rushing back to just to see what their subgrades were. Right. Things are busy enough right now. They probably want to keep it simple. <laughs> right. Right. And I do uh, love that SGC has their nine point five. We haven't even talked about that. They're they're mint plus. Uh, I think it's important for any grading company to have that in between or grade. You know, if you've got a minor corner issue, but everything else is perfect on a card, and it, it shouldn't end up as a PSA 9. It should be a 9.5, but that doesn't exist with PSA. Well, I, I hope we can do a part two to this because I we I know we could talk more, but this is sort of like a lunch break type episode, so we wanted to keep it relatively short. But I do want to ask you before I let you go, could you tell me about the best flipping card show? Is that something that – are you the creator of that? or Do you run it? Yeah. Or- I, I am. I'm the creator, the head promoter. I've got a bunch of guys helping me. Uh, Filmington on YouTube helps out as well, and a couple of their local dealers. Uh, right as the we were coming out of the pandemic, we were all talking like we need a local card show in the Boston area that happens on Saturdays. There's a bunch of them where we're running on Sundays all around us, but I was like, Saturday's a big day too. Let's get one going. And apparently, it's been so successful. We've got competition now for Saturday shows. Another one just opened up. Now I've been working with those guys to make sure we don't have crossovers on dates because we, you know, we share, we share the local dealers. So it's, it's been uh, just a phenomenal experience to run a card show. I, it's been a dream of mine for many years. I've been going to them since I was like eight years old. I met Mark McGuire when I was a young kid at, at a card show and it just really stuck with me. And I just love going to them. And as you can see from my YouTube channel, just from, you know, touring them and it's, it's just, it was an easy step to, to go out and start my own up. And so you said it's every Saturday, and uh, where is it actually located? It's actually one Saturday per month. One Saturday. And we just per signed month. a six-month extension through April of 2022. I just wanted to have like a six-month run at first to see if we're successful. See if we're. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't losing money. Overall, uh, it happens at the Crown Plaza Woburn. Uh, it's right off the interstate uh, between 93 and 95. Very easy to get to. About 10 miles outside of Boston, north of the city. Awesome. Well, I know where I'm going to target that next time I come back 
I will have to line it up because I, I haven't been to a card show in so long, and I really, I, I really want to get to one so badly. Okay. I see all these videos, like your channel, and I, I just get so jealous. I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah, there's a the huge one coming up at the Shriners in Wilmington this coming weekend. It's probably the biggest annual card show in in the Boston area. I think they have like 250 dealers or so. It's a, it's going to be massive. I don't think I'm going to make it, but uh, it'll be nice. I'm sure other videos will be coming out on YouTube of people touring around. Well, Jeff, thank you again for taking the time uh, during your lunch break here to talk. Uh, I really appreciate it, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Thanks so much, Adam. All right. Thank you. Bye now. All right. A couple of final thoughts from me. The SGC strategy that Jeff and I talked about is really a long-term double play. What I mean by that is we buy cards that we believe will increase in value over many years, like Tom Brady's. And we're also targeting SGC 10s in those cards because we believe that SGC 10s will rise in value even more than PSA 10s over the long term. And uh, Jeff mentioned that if he sells some of his Tom Brady's, it won't be for many years, like 18, he mentioned, to hopefully pay for his kid's college, which would, uh, would be really cool. So if you have your eye on the long run with sports card investing like Jeff and I do, hopefully you found that conversation valuable. Thanks again to Jeff from Bowman 1951 Sports Card Adventures for taking the time to share his knowledge and insights. And if you're smart, you'll make sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel, follow him on social media, because the man knows his stuff about sports cards, and he puts out great content. Thanks again for listening to the Splendid Sports Podcast, and talk to you next time.